Good morning from Stanford Christian Church. This is Pastor Jeremy. This past week, I got some time on the lake where I enjoy fishing for my kayak. At one point, I took a moment. I looked around to enjoy my surroundings and thought about the land. It is a lake, completely submerged in water, and it has been for about 20 years now. But that's not what it always was. A map of Lincoln County looks much different than it did, say, 30 years ago. The identity of that land has completely changed. Now it's Cedar Creek Lake. But it wasn't that long ago that the land my kayak was floating over was farmland, growing crops and cattle grazing, or, or a road or houses where families lived, or even a church with people listening to sermons just like you are right now. When you look at the lake, there's no sign of those things. In Jesus, we are new creations. He gives us a completely new identity, completely transforms us. Today's text is a message Jesus delivers to one of the early churches. Jesus calls them to remember and live their new identity and not fall back into who they used to be. Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 12. And to the church, or to the angel of the church of Pergamon, write, These are the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you are living, where Satan's throne is. Yet you are holding fast to my name, and you did not deny your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you, where Satan lives. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the people of Israel so they would eat food sacrificed to idols and engage to sexual, in sexual immorality. So you also have some who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent then. If not, I will come to you as soon and wage war against them with the sword of my mouth. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To everyone who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give a white stone. And on the white stone is written a new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. Be alert and aware of your surroundings. The people of the culture around you impact you, and you need to be on guard to how it speaks to you. Pergamum was a bad place. Jesus says it is where Satan's throne is, and then a sentence later he says it's where Satan lives. Now this may mean that Satan had a special presence in this place. Or he may just be communicating the pervasive evil lifestyles of the people there. At the time, Pergamum was one of the largest cities in the region at about 190,000 people. It was a center of worship for the Roman gods and Caesar. It also had a massive statue of Zeus looming high overhead. It's possible Jesus refers to this statue as the throne of Satan. Jesus wants them to know that he knows. He knows the temptations and the struggles that they're dealing with. He is there with them. He gets it. He is not a distant God sitting back and watching us and waiting for us to mess up. No, he is a savior and friend who is intimately with us and walking through the temptations and struggles alongside us. Jesus commends them for remaining faithful in such a hostile environment. 
especially in a time when one of their brothers, Antipas, was put to death for his faith. The church continued to tell people about Jesus, to meet, and to love people despite their very real dangers. At the same time, Jesus also has some concerns of which he warns them. Dangers are prowling quietly in their midst. To direct them away from the way of Jesus, Jesus warns them of the teaching of the Nicolaitans, who he connects to the Old Testament story of Balaam and Balak. This is the second time we've heard of this error, but its nature is lost to history. The little bit we do learn is that it's leading people to sexual immorality and evil interactions with pagan idols. It was a subtle influence, but didn't seem too bad at first, and then gets a hold and damages faith, our relationships, and ourselves. Numbers 22 through 25 tells the story of Balaam, a wayward prophet, and Balak, the king of Moab. Israel was preparing to go into the promised land. Balak grew scared of Israel, and so he paid Balaam to curse Israel. However, Every time Balaam prepared to do so, God altered his way, words to make them a blessing on Israel. Finally, Balaam devised a plan to get the reward Balak promised him. He took Moab, Moabite women and began sending them to the men of Israel to seduce them. In time, many of the men took the women and through those relationships began to participate in the worship and service of their false gods. Now, this idolatry led God to punish them. The lesson here is that when they could not be tempted in an outright assault to deny God, they were instead subtly tempted by things that seemed small until they had been led down the road to a place where they never intended to be. It's the whole frog in the pot story. If the boy, if you put a if, if the water is boiling when you put him in, he'll jump out. However, if you put him in and then you turn the heat on, he will not notice the increase in temperature until he's cooked. We often use the saying, it is a slippery slope. You intend to go down just a little bit, but it's easy to slide down farther than you aimed. Be mindful of the influences around you. They are sneaky and will whisper softly and sweetly into your ear to lure you away. The people we identify with, friends, family, and co-workers can all lead us to places we did not intend to go. The media can be a major source of influence, telling us what is desirable, what is valuable, how to act and think to be accepted. Political and cultural leaders and commentators claim to speak for Jesus, but often have a different agenda and a counterfeit to the gospel. You must be vigilant and questioning and great students of God's word to know the difference and to see the dangers and to continue to follow Jesus. Because holiness matters. It is easy to fall into the error that freedom in Jesus means I can do whatever I want, or if Jesus forgives my sins and I'm saved not by works but by faith, then it doesn't matter how I live. Genuine faith and genuine love for Jesus will result in faithful living. We must carefully follow the way of Jesus. He gives us the way of living that leads to the most joy and peace and goodness. But we, like sheep, go astray. We wander off, and before we realize it, we are, in the, we are prey for the wild animals, stuck in a hole and lost in the dark. Often destructive lies, they start as little white lies. Sexual affairs begin as emotional relationships. 
First, a person steals petty things before they graduate to bigger things. Hateful words turn into hateful actions. A little story turns into hurtful gossip. Be vigilant. Repent of those things that you know are wrong, but just don't seem to hurt anyone or be a big deal. First, they are still a rejection of God. Second, they will grow if tolerated. If we do not repent of our rejection of God in sin, he says, I will come to you soon and wage war against them with the words of my mouth. Now, let's connect these words with the introduction of Jesus in the beginning of the message. These are the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. His sword, his weapon, is his words. The words of Jesus have power. The pronouncements he speaks are true. They make things happen. In the beginning, God spoke and there was light. There was an earth and he spoke and living things came into creation. And when he declares judgment, then it is so. It is final. Jesus is the final authority. If we are in Jesus, we do not need to fear his judgment because we are saved through his life, death, and resurrection. He speaks judgment with power and authority. And he also speaks life with the same power and authority. Listen to the end of the message. To everyone who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. And I will give a white stone, and on the white stone is written a new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. He gives two promises to those who love him and follow him. Repenting of their sin through faith in his life, death, and resurrection. Listen, these promises point to Jesus as the one that truly meets your needs. Your sins and idols will make promises they can't fulfill to seduce you. First, he gives us the hidden manna. This imagery is not new to us. When Israel was starving in the wilderness after being freed from slavery in Egypt, God provided the manna, which was like bread that came with the dew each morning. During his ministry, Jesus claimed to be the bread of life and the living water. He alone sustains and nourishes eternal abundant life. He alone provides true joy and peace and hope. Only in Jesus will we find strength and refreshment and comfort. He empowers lives of love for God and others. He will raise us from the dead and sustain our eternal life for all eternity. All sin promises us to do things that only Jesus can do. To give us pleasure, peace, comfort, hope, strength, something. But in Jesus, we know satisfaction and peace that will carry us through the difficulties of life. He sustains us. He also gives us an identity, an identity that intimately is connected to him. He will give us a white stone. In the synagogue, when a person was on trial, the judges would put forward a white stone if they voted innocent and a black stone for guilty. He is the only one that judges us. No one else speaks judgment. No one else's judgment matters. Let them say what they may, because only he speaks with true power and authority. 
But he doesn't just give us a white stone to declare us justified, purified, forgiven, innocent. It has a new name on it that no one knows except you. It is between you and him. It doesn't matter what I think of you or what social media says or, or what your boss thinks. You pay attention to what Jesus declares because his is the final word. I have no doubt Jesus applies the prophet's words in Isaiah 62 too, to you. Jesus speaks them to you. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. Until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch, the nations shall see your vindication and in all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a beautiful crown in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of our God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. Jesus gives us a new name, a new identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17 reads, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Look, new things have come into being. In Jesus, our old selves are crucified and buried with him, and a new you is resurrected in a new creation. He will rename us to match the transformation of our nature to reflect the new and altogether unique identity each has received by grace in Christ. My new name, like yours, will reflect the character of the new creation in which I am a participant. That is compared to the old creation corrupted by sin and death. My new name, like yours, will be suitable for the kingdom of heaven. The new earth and the new heavens with Jesus inaugurated in his own resurrection. The challenge now is to live the new name. Do not slip back into your old identity. Thank you so much for listening to Stanford Christian Church today. Once again, my name is Pastor Jeremy. Go to our website, www.stanfordchristianchurch.com, where you can learn more about our church. Also, we'll have the gathering tonight at 5 o'clock, so pull up, come get a meal, or you can even come inside and enjoy a hot meal with us. Have a great week. Love God. Love others. And tell somebody about Jesus.